Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. Today on Housing Wire Daily, we're going to talk about property taxes and how rising home prices are affecting homeowners both before and after they buy and may even preclude them from buying. My guest today is senior mortgage reporter Georgia Cromry, and we have a lot to talk about. First, here's a word from our sponsor. From first-time and non-traditional home buyers to those needing a jumbo loan for a second home, Finance of America Mortgage and their skilled, award-winning mortgage advisors have helped over 450,000 customers since 2015. Finance of America Mortgage is licensed to lend in all 50 states, plus Washington, D.C., Puerto Rico, and the U.S. Virgin Islands, and backed by best-in-class lending technology with a wide range of innovative and proprietary mortgage products. They're prepared to help borrowers find loans that meet their needs. Want to join an award-winning team and elevate your business? Visit www.joinfamtoday.com forward slash housing wire to learn more. Finance of America Mortgage LLC is licensed nationwide. Equal housing opportunity. NMLS ID number 1071. www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Equal opportunity employer. Georgia, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks, Sarah. You know, you uh, wrote a story this week about a property tax reckoning is coming, and it has really resonated with our audience, and I and I think with the larger um, consumers out there as well. So tell us a little bit about why you started or what the main theme of this story is. Like, what did you find? Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I started looking at this because, you know, I, we have been doing a lot of um, reporting on, um, on a appraisals and I kept hearing from appraisers and and from um and from observers in the industry, you know, you really have to take a look at the property tax assessment process. And I, I had kind of been putting it off and putting it off because it's really complicated and it's sort of outside of our normal um expertise and, and kind of more consumer focused. And, you know, looking looking at a, a system that kind of varies from state to state is really is really kind of daunting. So I had been putting it off but but what I, I, I found is um is I I think that we're beginning to see in some places um some some really um, large uh, property tax increases that are driven by the uh, rising home values, um, but it's really uneven, and it's not going to happen all at once. So it's sort of like looking at a wave that's coming toward you, but it's it's just it's not going to crash on the beach at the all at once. And and um, and so I I think it's it's kind of difficult to um, diagnose and, and, um, and probably even more difficult to, um, to make policy for because it is so disjointed. You start out the story by talking to a mortgage loan officer in Spokane, Washington about borrowers who were qualified, but then with property tax increases, um, they, they fell out at, you know, what does that look like? Right, right. So, so what was what's happening is, you know, a borrower will qualify um, for a mortgage. Say, in, the, in this case, you know, it was um, in the past few months. So they would qualify for a certain amount in December, say, and they would, um, you know, begin their um, their search for a home based on that number. But you know, depending on 
if they're say they are looking for a home that is um, that is you know 45 minutes away from where they work in Spokane, and um, that's in a number of different counties potentially. Well, those counties have different tax rates and have potentially different um, tax schedules, tax assessment schedules. And so depending on, um, on where they find a home or, or where, where they're wanting to buy um, and what the tax assessment cycle is like, then there could be a tax bill or a tax assessment that, that arrives, um, you know, sort of in that period between when they are qualified and, um, and, and when they would want to buy the home. And that, you know, after you run the numbers again, could really impact um, their debt-to-income ratio, could, could raise their debt-to-income ratio significantly, and so lower the amount that they qualify for, which, you know, in, in, today, in today's market, that's, um, that, that would be devastating to, to, um, to, to go from, you know, in, in this case, it was, it was someone that qualified for $450,000, and, and now they only qualified for $325,000. So, so, yeah, that, I mean, that would be, that would just be, um, make, your, make your home search that, that much more difficult. Well, and another headwind in <laughs> at a time when no one needs another headwind, both for the homeowner, but also for the LOs trying to, you know, see what they qualify for, for the realtors who have shown them the house that they thought they were qualified for at a higher level. Like it throws a wrench into the whole thing. Yeah. And it's, um, and, and it is just, it's just not something that um, that people are used to because home prices are appreciating so rapidly. The the tax assessments. I mean, I mean, having having a um, having a tax assessment go up by that much in just the span of a couple of years. That's really not the um, not the normal normal scenario. And you know, it's it's also interesting. So um, part of this that I think like there's a sustainability issue with. Um, with the way um, with the way taxes are underwritten into um, mortgages, also I I think, and that is that when you're qualifying, um, um, mortgage LOs often use kind of a um, a, a short a shorthand calculation um, for property taxes. Underwriters look a little bit closer. They look at okay, what's you know what what is the actual tax assessment for the the property, what is the tax rate, you know, they, they are looking at the actual numbers. However, they're not factoring in um, future increases um, either to the tax rate, um, you know, because of, of policy changes or because of home price appreciation. So they're not, um, they're sort of looking at it in one, at one period in time instead of kind of looking ahead and saying, okay, what is this going to look like in five or 10 years? Is this going to be an un- unbearable burden? Um, for um, for the for the homeowner in, in five or ten years because of their um, their their tax bill. So you know the the fact that someone is qualifying for much less is is maybe good in the in the long run from a sustainability standpoint. It's not just you know places like Spokane. I was really interested to read that um, in your reporting. So the average property tax bill in Tennessee saw a 30% increase in taxes paid. In Milwaukee, increased 19%, Baltimore, 12%. These aren't necessarily places that you're like, wow, you know, that's going to be super high. Like it's not on the coast, right? But very interesting to me. I live in a super high uh, tax county and it's it's a good chunk of our of our payment every month right on a mortgage and i and when you think about even people who are retired maybe they've even uh, paid off their mortgage they might have a reverse mortgage but you still have to be able to afford the taxes 
Right, right. And there and that's why like that's why depending on the state, depending on the locality, it's all all uh, depends on your your school district and and um where exactly you live. There are um exemptions for um um for for older homeowners or are exemptions for for a lot of things, but you know one one thing that that um, that researchers um, looking at property taxes have pointed out is that not everyone understands the exemptions or the um, reassessment process equally, and so it um, it it can you know depending on how savvy you are or how you know how how much familiarity you have with your local bank or your tax assessment office or or you know whether you have an accountant that sort of thing these you know not everyone is going to know that oh well I can I can apply for an exemption if if um if if I fit into this category. Absolutely, you know you've done a lot of reporting um, on the racial bias that might, you know, be apparent in appraisals, right? And that whole process. And, you know, we've seen the government be very interested in that, uh, different regulators, legislators being very interested in finding out about that, the scope of that, and then trying to remedy that. And and you found some disparities in the same way uh, for property tax assessments, which, you know, are different than appraisals. But tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So, um, so I found this really surprising, but there is a, there's a large, um, tax assessment gap, um, and it's not explained by, um, by anything, um, anything except race is, is what multiple researchers have, um, have found. And, um, and, and the big difference in this for me looking at it is that there is actually hard data here. And, so, you know, looking at a research paper where they took, they had a, they, their data set was 118 million um, property tax assessments, and they narrowed that to only property tax assessments where there was a sale in the same year. And so they're, so they're, you know, you know, just looking at, at, um, at instances where, you know, a, a, a county tax assessor, um, Put a value on um, on a property, and then it was sold in the same year. And ha- and what is the difference between that, and how does that change for um, for minorities? And um, how does that change in minority census tracts? And um, and what they found, wh- whereas in in appraisals. Uh, what is often alleged is that appraisals for minorities are lower. Here, um, tax assessments are um, are higher than the value of the of the home, thirteen percent higher than um, than for white residents. So that means that you have to kind of like it's kind of hard to wrap your wrap your head around, but it means that um, that minority homeowners are paying more for the public services like trash pickup and and schools and you know all of the local services that property taxes fund they're paying they're paying more for that than um than white residents are which is just crazy because on the appraisal side they're getting their homes are assessed at, at less value so they're getting you know less than and then they're paying more in taxes like how is that even possible Right, right. You know, it would be really interesting. I mean, again, I'm gonna I'm gonna get on my soapbox about how it would be really interesting to see the appraisal data and all of this, um, because it would be really interesting to see. Okay, how does how does the appraisal factor in here? Is it that appraisals are coming in lower, and so um, and so sales of uh, sale prices of these homes are lower, and so the tax assessment is actually what it should be, and the sale price is what is is low. It's hard to say what's going what's going on here. Um, ha- however, you know, you uh, based on um, based on this gap, minority homeowners are paying 
like three hundred dollars, three hundred ninety um, more each year than um, than they would if their tax burden was in line with that of white homeowners. So it's not an insignificant amount, um, and especially um, you know, at over over time, um, that's that's a lot of money over over the over the tenure of um, of a homeowner. That's that's a lot of money. Especially when we don't really understand why that is. To your point, when I read the story, I was like, is that because the appraisals on the front end are shortchanging the value of the house? Um, but but it's hard to tell in the assessment as you talk about an assessment is a is a drive-by from the outside. And it's unlike, you know, we already have an appraisal shortage, an appraiser shortage, but you talk about assessors. How many assessors does a county have to to do assessments? I mean, much less than appraisers. So you have to wonder: is their valuation more accurate? What are they What are they basing it on? Right, right. So this was one thing. So so talking about, um, you know, they they don't they really don't have enough resources to do the kind of exhaustive, you know, in person inside in, inspection, really looking under, under the hood that, um, that an, an appraiser does when a home is, is going to potentially be collateral for a loan. So, um, so what they do instead, it's data-driven and it's changed a lot in the, in the past, um, in, in the past couple of decades, it's become very automated. And so it, it kind of looks a lot more like, like, like what a, a desktop appraisal would be in some cases where they're they're using they're using data they're um, they're they're using in this case one one different um, one one difference is that they're using um, rep- some some reported data points from the homeowner themselves so they you know they they sort of go by they they actually go to the property um, but they don't go past the the front door they they ask the the homeowner some questions and and um, you know, in some cases, maybe they they peer in, but um, um, but they they're they're not going inside the home. They also they also have access to building permits. So one you know one one question that arose is is well you know if, if a homeowner has a major renovation that they do, say they um, say they totally you know gut their um, second story bathroom and and do an incredible renovation, and this really impacts the value of the house. Well, um, you know, how is that going to be reflected in a in a tax assessment if a if an assessor is not going to the property? Well, it's re- it's reflected because they're su- they're supposed to get a building permit to do work like that um, in most cases. And then um, property owners are also um, in in most places expected to um, you know sort of raise their hand and say, hey, you know, this this value is not right because or this assessment is not right because I did a major renovation. You can imagine how that might not happen all the time. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> it's like, no, no, tax me more, please. Yeah, I, I, I'm a little bit skeptical of that. But but yeah, the, the assumption is that that homeowners will self-report that that sort of thing. So yeah, they do everything from the outside and including calcu- calculating um, square footage, which that's kind of crazy, crazy to me. Um, I think if you, if, if, you know, I, I think talking to an appraiser about how, you know, how, how important it is to accurately calculate um, square footage, and there are lots of uh, lots of vendors seeking to 
make that process more efficient and and um, and more accurate. I think if you told them, well, why don't you just look at the look at it from the outside in and and calculate it that way, I think they would just just laugh at you. <laughs> I mean, it's hard enough when you're inside and and you're measuring. I mean, one of the things that we had uh, we had a panel. Last year at our housing warrant annual, we had appraiser uh, experts up there. And, um, you know, the guy from Fannie was like, Lyle Radke, he talked about how prevalent it is, how widespread it is to have widely varying square footage on, on houses that have been, you know, appraised over and over because of different refi cycles or whatever. It's the same property on the same place. And, and the discrepancy is pretty large. It's over 10%. And this is just widespread. So the fact that, you know, a a tax assessor can drive by and be like, Oh, eyeball it. I think it's about this. (laughs) It's like, good luck. I'm sure that's really, really accurate. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think, um, I, I think there are a lot of people who would take issue that with that. Probably also the, um, the, the, the people that are working on solutions, tech solutions, to make that, um, that more accurate and more efficient. But you know, if there is such a variability in, um, in square footage calculations from the inside, maybe, maybe it is better to just sort of, you know, um, <laughs> just, just do it from the outside if it's, if it's going to be kind of a ballpark anyway. Um, <laughs> It's certainly much faster. That's true. You know, one of the things that um, you include in the story is a statement from Rick Sharga, who's the executive vice president of market intelligence um, for real estate data um, at Adam. And Rick has been in the industry forever. You know, we all know him. And and one of the things he makes a point, he says, assessment values always lag home prices on the way up and on the way down. And so right now that might be helping homeowners who, you know, maybe it hasn't quite caught up yet, but you can imagine that in a couple of years when they're still having that sky high tax assessment, but it's not, it's not a given that real estate's always going to go up, especially sustaining these really high uh, home prices. So you wonder, you know, one of the things you say in your story is that assessors don't even go out maybe even every two years. I mean, it really varies by the county, by the district, whatever. And so how long are our property owners going to have to be paying these taxes for an assessment that may not be accurate, you know, two years from now? Right, right. Exa- exactly, exactly. So um, so that's the reason why um, I think we've just seen the beginning of the, um, the tax increases. And I think more are on the way. Although, you know, I, I, I think I think localities and states and localities have to be really sensitive to those increases because um, because people don't like them. They're very unpopular, as you as you can imagine. So um, so so yeah, they always um, property tax increases always lag um, home prices. Um, and yeah, as as Rick pointed out, you know that that cuts both ways because when um, when um, property values go down as they did during. Um, during the recession, you know, many people were, were really um, frustrated because it took a really long time for their um, tax bill to accurately reflect their home values. So, um, so you know, in, in places like Tennessee, where, where there are more than six years between tax assessments, um, you know, it can take a it can take a really long time, and it depends kind of when the the tax assessment happens. Um, you know, it is it is really a, a a snapshot. So, and and that you know that that's that seems like a really long time, but you also have to remember that tax assessors are assessing every property. 
um, every single property in their district um, each each assessment cycle. They're not, you know, it's it's not like an appraisal where you just you get an appraisal dialed up, you know, just when there's um, a mortgage or a refinancing or um, you know there's some sort of transaction uh, um, on the home. This is this is something that needs to be done on every property. So in so in this case, and and I was talking to a tax assessor and. Um, Lancaster, Pennsylvania, where um, where they haven't done a uh, assessment since 2018, and he said they might do one in 2025, but it's up to but it's up to some people to decide, and it's not a sure thing, and so they they might do one in 2025, and I'm wow. like, and I'm there like with my job <laughs> job and thinking, oh my gosh, what is the market going to look like in 2025? But, um, but, you know, he, uh, yeah, just, just a few changes in there, you know, yeah, it was like 2018 to 2025, like, like that's, that's a, a lot has happened. If you went to sleep in 2018 and woke up in 2025, you know, I mean, <laughs> um, but, but he reminded me that, that, you know, they only have 11 people in their office doing these assessments and they're responsible for almost 200,000, um, properties. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's quite, it's quite a lot. It's quite different. And they're, and they are, and, and they are, um, I'm not sure. I think it would be really interesting to see the pay differential between a residential appraiser or a commercial appraiser. I mean, some appraisers are very, very specialized, you know, and, and, um, and their services command a premium because, because they are, but, um, tax assessors are, um, you know, they're municipal employees. They're on salary. They, they, they're just they're they're civil servants. And and so I'm I'm really curious, kind of not only what is the, um, you know, what what is the, what is the pay differential there between that and a residential appraiser, and kind of what's their what's what's their day to day, you know, kind of work life work life balance like. I mean, are they just toiling away at, at these? property tax assessments or is it kind of a right. or is it kind of like a mad rush every six years and they you know and, and they're kind of doing uh, what do they do between them I I, I don't know <laughs> do they have like a, a, a day job so to speak it, it is a mystery and and we can see how this this cuts both ways because like you said if it's lagging then that could help homeowners right now who or potential homeowners who are trying to get into a house but then it could come back to bite you later if they're not updating that you know if they if they raise them they're not updating it but and then you'd also have to have the will within the community like yeah let's raise more money to hire more tax assessors people don't you know generally <laughs> embrace let's pay more money to have our you know potentially our taxes raised so That'll be really interesting. Well, I know you have a, a ton of things you're working on right now. Maybe give us a preview of, of what some of your next stories might be. Yeah, so a lot of stuff is happening in the federal beat, as always. Um, I would I would say I think I think this podcast is gonna is gonna publish on on um, April 28th. So there might there might be some movement on um, and uh, on the FHA commissioner nominee Julia Gordon by then. Um, although I understand that there's been somewhat of a delay, even though, um, leader, uh, Chuck Schumer filed for cloture. So it's, so it's like her nomination is set to be put on the calendar for a vote in the Senate, which would be the last step on the way to getting confirmed. But, uh, what do you know, as soon as, as soon as, um, um, leader Schumer filed for cloture, um, uh, vice president Kamala Harris got COVID. And so they actually need her vote. <laughs> to um to for for julia gordon to um <laughs> to get confirmed 
So there may be a delay on that. These processes are always much longer than you think they're going to be. And you think, wow, we're almost halfway through 2022. Like better, better get a move on, on some of these because you never know how elections are going to go. And, and then we might be starting over. Yes, that's right. It has been a really long time. I think this is longer than um, lo- longer than normal. But um, but yeah, uh, I would say stay tuned on that. Um, and uh, yeah. Well, we look forward to all all your reporting. You do a great job. Thanks for digging into the tax story for us, so that we can see you know different housing professionals can can understand how that might impact them. And as always, Georgia, great to have you on. Thanks, Sarah. How have the 2022 housing market forecast changed? Or how is the industry navigating the shift to a purchase-driven market? HousingWire's premium content program, HW+, answers questions like these and offers a variety of member-exclusive benefits that are tailored to what you need to stay competitive and agile in today's fast-paced market. Go to housingwire.com forward slash membership to join today. With your HW+, membership, you get access to longer-form digital content, the HousingWire magazine, member-exclusive rates to in-person events like HousingWire Annual, and more. Thanks for listening to HousingWire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.